Hello and welcome to the Sports Technology Podcast. In this episode, we speak with Jeff Beckham, a freelance writer with a particular interest in the science behind sport. Jeff has written about physics, biology, and math for ESPN, and he tells us about some of his favorite stories over the years, including the Moneyball-style approach to basketball and some athlete-focused pieces. For more information, check out our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, and remember to follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. Enjoy! Hi, everyone. My name is Mike, and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Technology Podcast. And with me again is Henry. Hi, Mike. Hello, listeners. And our guest today from Texas is Jeff Beckham. He's a freelance writer for ESPN and Wired. Jeff, do you want to just say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, good to meet you guys today. Uh, my name is Jeff Beckham, and uh, so I have a, a day job at AT&T, at, uh, but I'm also a freelance writer, and over the past couple of years, kind of specialized in writing about this intersection between sports and technology. And some of it is, you know, physics, and some of it is biology, and it's just, you know, it's kind of an interesting um you know, aspect of how technology is really driving sports forward today. You know, you see it everywhere in, in all different levels, and it's just something that, that's really grabbed my attention. Very cool. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the different articles and projects you've worked on for ESPN, or what? maybe what is your favorite article that you've written in the in the past few years? I'd say my favorite one had to do with, it's a series of mathematical studies. The shorthand for it would be called Moneyball for Basketball. Um, it's a uh, the branch of mathematics called uh, topological data analysis. So topology, um, you know, which studies shapes and what the shapes of data mean, and then it's the data analysis of these of these huge data sets. And the company that specialized in that is a company called IASDI, and they're out in Palo Alto. They're, they're beyond startup stage. They've gotten a significant amount of funding, but um, most of what they focus on is in the medical field, like taking hundreds of thousands, probably millions of pieces of data and like looking for, you know, cancer markers and things like that. Well, what happened was one of their interns who happened to be a senior at Stanford, uh, a guy named Mufu Alagapin, big, he was a big basketball fan. He thought, well, what if I used Ayazdi's technique? Uh, but applied, but you know, put in some basketball statistics. What would that, you know, what would that do? What would that tell me? And what he came up with is, is kind of a new way of classifying basketball players uh, based on what they do on the court, their performance statistics, and like sort of who is most similar to who in in basketball. So you know, it could be a higher power. You know, the money ball part of it would be like. This high salary player, you know, in a in a per minute basis, has similar statistics to this other player who is, you know, who doesn't have such a big contract. So that that's one way of looking at it. But and then the other way is, you know, for years like, since the, you know basketball has had the same names for the same five positions since the beginning of the sport practically. But think of how much the sport has changed during that time. Um, almost, you know, unrecognizable from the early days of basketball. And players, you know, play multiple positions, there's multiple matchups. So what we looked for was a way of classifying these players based on, like, who is similar, you know, is most similar to other players. So that's been a, a lot of fun to do. And, and I've done a couple of stories with him on that. And uh, I think it, it's really 
you know, gotten a lot of attention. Uh, there, there are, he has ended up working for some, uh, for a couple of teams, like on a, on a freelance basis. Some, uh, he worked with the Heat and with the Portland Trailblazers, um, sort of helping them, you know, here's the analysis that he had done and, uh, you know, how that might apply to specific situations within their team. So I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, it's interesting. He, uh, he's such a smart guy and, and, and uh, uh, but he's also he's now gone from uh, Stanford undergrad to Stanford medical school, so he, he's kind of I, I think he's almost sitting on this gold mine of information. But because he's in medical school, doesn't really have time to develop it. Uh, is this is this something you say he just started kind of as a hobby, or just something he was interested in looking into how to apply these these medical uh, statistical analysis research tools to to sports just because he he thought it would be interesting or do you think he started it with 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 the intention of of helping i guess i don't know recruiters or i don't know media statistics or something no i believe it it definitely started as a, as a what if situation kind of hobby i don't think he harbored any kind of big plans for this um, all right that he, he put it in, and then he really got a boost. He presented at the MIT Sloan Conference in 2012 and won um, the Alpha Award, like won an award for his presentation there. And so presenting there and getting some attention, that, and then he got some media attention after that. So it began to really snowball, and, and you know, and he's done, he's done, he since did more analysis and, and put in bigger sets of data and trying to get you know better results but that uh i think the initial piece of it was just like well i'm i love basketball and you know what would happen if i you know put stats in for this season you know what kind of um model would i get and then the yazdi software one of the, the features of that is it creates um sort of multi-dimensional Actually, they're, they're, they're quite beautiful. I mean, they're, they're sort of um, models in their different colors, and they, you can see where things are, are clustered together and what things are split out from others. It's a little difficult to explain, uh, you know, sort of visually what it looks like, but it's a way of kind of, you kind of sort of have to model and, and visualize that data. And uh, I think he really just did it at first, like, let's see what happens if I do this. I'm, I'm wondering if you see this, this information and way of presenting it as something that might become more popular um, for, for journalists looking to, to describe teams or to, to report on, uh, on events? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think his model has a, a lot of potential. Certainly this sort of um, more deep statistical analysis in general is, uh, is really gaining a lot of attention um, within the NBA. And I think there's a lot of, um, of ways to, to present that. Uh, there's you know, certainly internally the teams as they do their analysis of, of stats. Um, but I think there's also ways of incorporating that into the fan experience you know, in the arena. One of the things that's been an interesting development recently within the NBA is there a, there's a camera system, uh, like about six cameras that are installed around the arena. And before, there only about half the teams were using them. And now there's, there's going to be a... a by next season, they'll be installed in all the arenas, and uh, it's by a company called Sport View. And they capture this data, of, you know, movements of players and the ball at several times per second. And they, you know, so then they, they 
you know, take in all this data and they, and they you know, run through their program. And so then teams are able to analyze, you know, where their players are at certain points of the court and, and, you know, even how far people are running, uh, how much effort they're expending, you know, are they running or jogging, um, you know, where they should have been on a defensive play instead of where they were. And, you know, again, I think you can create, and some teams are creating, you know, visualizations out of that data where you can display that on, uh, you know, inside your, inside your arena or you can, you know, you can take these stats that are most interesting or that are not obvious to spectators and, you know, make those part of that fan experience. So I definitely think uh, this in general is, is becoming a big trend. And I think that, that Muthu's research in particular has a lot of potential because um, it's a different way of looking at it. And I think that if he is able to pull in more data from more seasons, both, you know, like current data and sort of validate it with historical data, I think there's a lot of potential there. Is there anything that's unique about basketball that makes the analysis easier or more conducive to do? Like, uh, could you do this to similar, like, kind of more free-flowing sports like soccer or maybe even something like football? Yeah, I think there is that, too. Um, it's funny, uh, the, the biggest problem that basketball has now are defensive statistics in that um, it's hard to to quantify what you're doing on defense. And there's rebounds and there's steals, but you know, like if you help someone on defense or you're in the right position or you force, you know, an errant shot, uh, you know, it's a little hard to quantify that. But um, but I think those other sports have, have you know equally you know quantifiable events, right? Especially um, soccer. Uh, that sport view system that is going into the NBA, the camera tracking system, um, that company works with a lot of soccer teams as well uh, in Europe. And so um, I know they do a quite a bit of, you know, this motion. It's not quite motion capture like the, you know, these little you know, sensors on, on suits kind of thing, but um, you are, you know, tracking where players are moving around, around the field. Um, so there is definitely that. Football Football's a little more interesting in that I, I think you can still do that. Um, but, you know, it's so much of a, you know, set up, run a play, regroup. Um, I, it seems like it's a little different, um, you know, structure. But I, I still think there's probably potential there for, um, you know, again, like tracking, like, you know, where, where were you on this play versus where you should have been. So as far as, say, teaching, coaching, tactical tool, uh, it seems like there, there's uh, the chance there that this could be useful. So you've also worked for some of your stories with athletes. I know we were talking a little bit about a project you worked on with a, a triathlete named Sarah on some prosthetics. So can you t- tell us about that? Yeah, that's uh, Sarah Reinertson. Uh, she is a uh, an athlete who, um, when she was a kid, she had a, a bone disease in her left leg and had her left leg amputated above the knee and uh, was, you know, still an, an, you know, any kid, very active. And so uh, over the past, like, probably she's, she's now in her 30s, I would guess. So, you know, over the past 20-something years, you know, she's kind of progressed and used different prosthetics and has gone from being just sort of like an active 
youngster to a competitive athlete. She runs marathons. She uh, she then has now uh, moved on and now does um, triathlons. She was, you know, the first um, woman with a, with a prosthetic leg to do that. The Ironman out in Hawaii. So she uh, is, you know, just a really, uh, you know, amazing person. I was able to meet her last year, and she's a lot of fun. But one of the things that she's done is that she works with uh, she worked with Nike to do not just um, the the you know, another company did the prosthetic leg that she uses, and in fact, a, a you know a new version of that to help her um, with better running style, say on road races versus, you know, running on a track. But then she worked with Nike to get, um, like, this special uh, sole, this rubber, uh, you know, sole that goes on the bottom of the prosthetic foot and then has a little hook that hooks onto kind of the the, uh, the shin part of it. So it's like off-road running. So, you know, she can run trails and things like that. Uh, and worked, you know, with, like, the very, you know, Top designers at Nike, the um, the shoe designer is it Tinker Hatfield, if I can say anyway, uh, who you know built like you know Air Jordan shoes and things like that. So they worked together to come up with this removable sole that kind of you know, fits around that base of the uh, prosthetic foot and hooks on and lets her kind of um, you know go off road and, and kind of run wherever she wants wants to run. And she's she's been interesting in that she you know she's been able to give some some historical perspective on what works and what doesn't. So she ended up being a very almost you know collaborative in the design process with uh, with Nike. What interests you most about this intersection between technology and athletes? I know you've kind of done a fair amount of stories on that, and you're even um, working a book that we'll talk about later on it. But what is what really captivates you about this topic? You know, I always like to, you know, when there's the opportunity to make things a little better, um, you know, through, so, you know, I like how technology is like this additive element to sports. I mean, certainly, um, you know, I've been a sports fan all my life and love uh, playing and watching sports, but, you know, I like being able to see uh, teams kind of do things that are not in the mainstream, you know, kind of break away from traditional thinking and, you know, try things that are, that are unusual. Uh, and, and a lot of those, you know, are in the science and technology field. You know, like I love how um, Chip Kelly, uh, who's now the football coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and, and was at Oregon, um, has completely brought in the kind of the sports science approach and, you know, it it's really making a difference. People are like, well, why why was Oregon so good, and why, you know, what are the Eagles going to do this year? And you know, a lot of that is from his you know from his offensive system, but a lot of that is is behind the scenes with um, you know with their training styles and 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 you know he's very he has a uh, I know he has a sports scientist on staff, so um, you know it's the teams that kind of go you know beyond your traditional training methods, your traditional approaches to the sport, and they, they incorporate a bit of science or a bit of technology uh, to get that extra edge. And that, that's something that I found really interesting in just the, the many, many ways that that's possible. How do you, as a journalist, find people or coaches or athletes 
kind of pushing that envelope in different sports. Yeah, you know, it, it's um, it's funny. Like a lot of times, of course, the the companies that produce products that these teams are using, you know, they're anxious, right, to promote uh, promote their products. So they're they're happy to reach out to journalists and say, hey, you know, the the Buffalo Bills are using this particular training system. Would you, you know, that kind of thing. But a lot of times, you know, it, it kind of it comes up in, um, you know, it might be in an article that's sort of mentioned on the side. Or, um, you know, you might read there are, uh, you know, scientific papers, um, you know, studies that, you know, again, you sort of mentioned, you know, that mentioned this particular technology or this particular trial. Um, so, you know, I found that I kind of have to be on the lookout for not just coming through, you know, traditional methods through, you know, sort of press releases and PR and things like that. But, um, yeah, they might just sort of be mentioned like, uh, you know, almost like a throwaway line in a story somewhere. And you're like, wait a minute, I think that's the key right there. Or that's something that, you know, maybe a, a writer um, who's writing for a, you know, sort of mainstream publication, that's not their focus, right? They're, they're focusing on, on another aspect of the story. But this sort of, you know, tech piece um, is kind of the thing that, that really grabbed my interest. It's, it's, it's interesting that you see the, the technology bits in, uh, in the articles, but they're not really fully fleshed out. And I'm wondering if, uh, if that's because the writers on staff aren't interested or it's because the publishers think the, uh, the audiences aren't interested. I think it's the second one, unfortunately, um, because so far the type of sports and technology pieces that I've done have been kind of sequestered in their own little special section, right? Like Wired had a blog called Playbook, which focused on sports and technology. Um, ESPN, whose blog also happened to be called Playbook. Again, sort of it was like pop, pop culture uh, and then tech was kind of a subsection of that. So um, it's not really, uh, even though it's gotten so much more attention in recent years, like uh, from, um, you know, fantasy sports and, and money ball and things like that, um, that it's, you know, there's still almost like a barrier that it hasn't quite broken through yet. Um, you, know, you see it in bits and pieces and here and there, but, you know, one of the challenges is taking that highly technical subject matter and making it, you know, entertaining and palatable to a general audience. And that's, you know, that's definitely a challenge. So now, as I mentioned before, you're working on a book about sports and innovations. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, in talking with a couple of agents, they were, you know, we were kicking around some ideas and... Um, Part of that is, you know, how uh, science or, or technology over time has, um, you know, kind of been behind a lot of breakthroughs in sports. And so I um, started looking at, you know, a certain set of, of, of these developments. Um, you know, it's kind of a new way of looking, of looking at sports. It, kind of as we uh, mentioned earlier, like how might you, you know, look at these things in a way that would be interesting to, you know, just sort of your your, your basic audience, and you know, and it could be, um, you know, sort of gadgets or electronics or things like that, but it could be, you know, materials or or even techniques. So, um, you know, there's always 
a a human story behind all of these you know sort of developments in days like you know the the radar gun or something like that there's always you know there, there's one thing to talk about um, pitch tracking systems but you know it's like how did that start and and how was that accepted when it first came out and what were the early versions of like that like of that like and you know what were some of the the successes and the failures that people learned from to make this you know something that now is you know when you watch a ball game you know there's you know they, they show a little strike zone and where the pitches are and how the tracking you know uh, so it's kind of accepted now, but certainly there was a process to get to that point, and you know there's a lot of, of human stories that come, that are kind of behind that. I, I imagine a lot of the uh, a lot of the sports um, sports teams or professional athletes are a little bit secretive about uh, about their techniques, their technologies, and coaching methods and whatnot. Um, I wonder if if you had access to to any team or to any athletes, um, and and they would just I guess tell you how they train, tell you everything about I don't know, the, the all the all the technological aspects. Um, what uh, what would you most like to know? Um, most like to, to to research, to to read about, to to present to the world. You know, I'd like to know how. Um, like, if you look at all the groups that are involved in building a successful team, you know, how accepting are each is each group of this new technology like say if you, you know uh, on a soccer team I expect that if there's you know tracking technology and uh, ball tracking and player tracking technology um, coaches are interested right because it's it's strategic and tactical and they can you know make improvements there um, you know trainers are probably interested because they can get valuable information that goes beyond uh, just sort of what they're seeing and it adds uh, to their their information about how to to maximize uh, an athlete's potential on the field, right? Because you want to get the most out of them for that 90 minutes, uh, and then you know during the week, not you know you make sure that they're they're just prepared to give the maximum effort that 90 minutes. But then and then how players react to that? I suspect that in in most cases it's probably there's probably a continuum, right? It's like uh, front office people. Coaches, trainers, all you know, pretty interested in in this kind of stuff. Players, maybe sort of in the middle and trailing off to the end. Is you know, you're a player. You've gotten to where you're at through physical gifts, uh, and so it probably takes some, you know, some sort of switch to they, you know, yes, I'm here because I'm you know one of the world's top athletes, but you know, how is this? math going to make me better. You know, right. I don't understand how looking at a bunch a spreadsheet is going to make me better when I go on the floor around the field. So that, I think I, I would be interested in learning more about, you know, how much athletes buy into that and how much, uh, you know, they think about it. Like, you know, I can't imagine they think about it, you know, much while they're on the floor. Like that seems to be thinking so fast. And you know, there's, you know, almost there's a lot of instinctual. I mean, there's, there's sort of things that you've learned and, and, and internalized that you know things are moving so fast. I'm sure you're not thinking, oh, in this particular situation, I should be, you know, three steps this way. Um, but I, I would think that uh, you know, it's certainly like learning. Like, here's my performance on the field. 
here's some results and data that tells me what I did and how I can get better. And uh, I think you know, if you want to stay in the league for you know a long time, uh, that seems like it would be a valuable a valuable thing to know. So Jeff, what's coming up for you? Do you have anything, any interesting projects or articles that you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are working on uh, proposals for the South by Southwest Interactive Conference. Um, I've been at that the last couple of years, um, and one of the things that we're talking about uh, with Mike is uh, a panel on 3D printing in sports, uh, which I think hits really kind of the sweet spot of your South by Southwest interactive crowd. I mean, um, Bree Pettis was there last year talking uh, 3D printing, and as I look at the list of, of panel ideas for 2014, uh, there's lots of 3D printing ideas, but I don't think there's any that quite um, tie in the way that we we have about um, you know how to use it in sports and what you know, what are the the implications and how you know what are the potential. So um, perfect. So great conversation, Jeff. So um, if people want to find out more about what you're working on, what you're writing, where would you point them in terms of? addresses or Twitter handles or things like that? Yeah, so I have a site at jeffbeckham.com, and I'm on Twitter uh, at jeffbeckham. So uh, either of those places, I'd be happy to, to you know, show off what I've done and, and meet with people and learn more about what people are working on. Great. So thank you for your time. Great. All right, guys. Well, I enjoyed it. Thank you. And that is the episode. Thank you, Jeff, and thanks, listeners, for listening. Go to our website, sportstechnologypodcast.com, for links and more information, and follow us on Twitter at SportsTechPod. As another note, Mike and Jeff will be on a panel in South by Southwest next year in March talking about 3D printing in sport. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Thanks. Bye.